Tonight we're going to focus in on topics and inyanim of Purim, primarily the laws, the halachas per, uh, pertaining to Purim in the uh, upcoming days. Bez Hashem, it's coming Monday night, Tuesday. We're going to have the uh, incredible merit to have this beloved holiday where the, uh, the R, the light, as we've been learning uh, each evening after Mariv, of the Yichur Hashem, of the oneness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the Enoid Movadai, realizing that both externally and internally, the only truth that exists in the world is HaKadosh Baruch Hu, very much, uh, very closely connected to what we've been focusing on in Bovavi as well. Um, so I want to focus on a few different categories of halacha, and as we enter each category, give a little bit of, uh, a little bit of words that uh, perhaps we can connect with. So one of the minhagim, one of the customs that's brought down in halacha to do as we enter Purim, there's a few things we're gonna, that I'm not going to focus in on. You're welcome to ask some questions about them afterwards. I'm not going to focus on Parsha Zohar, which is coming up this Shabbos, the mitzvah of, uh, of hearing Parsha Zohar. There's some fascinating mitzvahs when it, when it pertains to that. Also the halachas of Tainus Esther. We're not going to get involved in that. This evening, but I'm going to pick up with the with the mitzvah, uh, what's called the machzis hashekel, the half shekel, that there's a custom to give prior to Purim, and it really could be done any time in the month of Adar, to give a half shekel, three half shekelim, because it says the word truma three times in the pasuk, and we'll go through some of the the halachos and some of the messages within the machzis hashekel. So the the Chazal teach us, the sages teach us that the reason why the half shekel is given before Purim, is so that um, our half shekel could be given before the silver shkalim that Haman offered Achashverosh. Haman offered Achashverosh like a bounty on the heads of the Jewish people. And he said, I'm going to pay you 10,000 kikar of silver uh, you know, in lieu of the taxes that the Jewish people will pay. It's okay, it's like, kind of like, you hear these Hasidish stories, and in all these Hasidish stories, somebody owed somebody else uh, rubles. You know, it's like, uh, if it, ha- it could happen 50 years ago, rubles, 200 years ago, 300 years ago, rubles. Now, a kikar of silver, just put into, into possibly what it would be worth today, I personally wouldn't accept this if I was a Hashverish, but nobody offered me the job to be the king of Shushan. But a, a kikar of silver, each kikar is approximately 96.12 or so pounds. Okay? So a kikar is about 96 pounds of a solid silver. So I, I researched earlier today uh, how much that would be worth if you take 96 pounds of silver and times that by 10, uh, by, by 10,000. So according to my calculation, I don't know how off or on I am, Haman would have offered Achashverosh $242.5 million. Right? $242.5 million. Which to me, you know, to wipe out a nation, Achashverosh also had to be a pretty big anti-Semite to, <laughs> to, uh, to wipe us out for that price. But, you know, if you, if you go through the, the amount that was offered, but be it as it may, in today's value, he did, um, Haman did offer Shkalim, a, a weight in Shkalim to Achashverosh. So to preempt that, we 
we, uh, we uh, recognize and we give over this half shekel. Now, interestingly, the ult- original source of the half shekelim is what each Jewish male would donate to the Beis HaMikdash in preparation for the mitzvah of, of uh, the sacrifices that were brought. So they would actually announce throughout the month of Adar, allow people to prepare and they, to uh, make sure people would give the, the men over age 20 would give their half shkolim in order for the upkeep, for the for the habayis, the upkeep of the of the Beis HaMikdash. So to remember that, we also give the half shkolim, which leads to some interesting halachas that we'll get into, which is, who has a custom nowadays of giving the half shkolim? The custom was for men over age 20. So does that custom apply to people under age 20? Does it apply to women? How does this play out? So here we go. The Ramah writes that... Yesh Omrim, some say you should give prior to Purim a half of a coin of your currency. And you should give three of them because it says the word truma to give three times. You should give half of your local currency. That's really what the halacha is. So nowadays in America, we're our, we'll call it the structure of our currency is based upon a dollar. So a machzis a shekel, a half shekel for us will now be transferred to a half dollar. So the custom here would be to take three half dollars and to donate that amount to tzedakah. The same way it was given to the Beis Hamikdash, we'll donate three half dollars to tzedakah. Now, it doesn't have to literally be, the, the, the custom is used the three half dollars, but what we'll do here in Shul, for example, on Monday afternoon is there'll be three half dollars uh, you know, t- together on the bima in the center of the shul, and people will lift up the three half dollars, put down a dollar fifty in value, lift it up, acquire it. Technically, it's mine now, and now I'm putting it back. But that's really the money that I'm giving to tzedakah. You understand? People think that I'm lifting up the three half dollars and I'm exchanging it for a dollar fifty, and then I put it back down. But my tzedakah was in the dollar fifty that I put down. It's actually the opposite. I'm paying the tzedakah, I'm paying the shul, for example, right? Now the shul, what we here use the money for is for the poor. We don't use it for shul itself, we use it to give out to the poor. So there'll be three half dollars. In order to purchase the three half dollars, you put down a dollar fifty. You'll lift it up, make an acquisition, and then you put it back down, and that, those three coins are your donation. And that, that, that's being donated back to the, uh, to, to the tzedakah. Okay, bottom line is it should, be, it should be half of your currency. So in Israel, where a shekel is worth nowadays, let's say 35 cents or so, 36 cents, they'll give a half of that value. It's not that you need to give 50 cents. You're going to give 50 cents or whatever your value is. In, you know, in uh, Europe, you'll give a, a euro or a pound or whatever, whatever that currency is. An interesting thing that comes up is can you use a different country's currency for where you are locally? Yeah, let's say I have shkalim on me. Let's say I have, um, I just came back traveling from Canada and I have a Canadian money on me. So if you're an American and you basically face yourself off a dollar, it's proper to use a, an, Amer- an American half dollar. If you're Canadian visiting America or you're an Israeli visiting America and you have shkalim and that's the place where you come from. So as long as the banks will easily be willing to trans, uh, you know, to uh, transfer your coin, that, that'll be fine. That's not going to be an issue. As long as it's easily... Uh, it's easily uh, changeable. Okay. Now, ideally, what should be done is not to give the value, like we said, of three half dollars here in America, which is $1.50. You shouldn't give a $1.50. 
should give three half dollars. Don't give, in, instead of giving six quarters or a dollar coin and two quarters, ideally what a person should do is use the actual half coin to commemorate the machzis shekel, to commemorate the, the half shekel. Okay. Now it doesn't have, really in the Torah they would give half shkolem that were made out of silver, that were made out of kesef, We'll, we'll have silver half dollars, but it doesn't literally need to, be, uh, need to be silver. Now, what happens if I don't have a half dollar? Banks aren't open. I can't go get one. It's complicated, whatever it is. Okay, so then, like we said, it's not ideal, but that, okay, use two quarters instead of a half dollar. That'll be fine to use the value, but ideally we want to do the half because that is most closely going to represent uh, the, the half shekel. Okay. Now the Ramah writes that since, who us Ashkenazim follow, the Ramah writes that since the custom of giving the half shekel was on men, 20 and above, really only men over age 20 should do this custom. It is brought down, however, in the poskim that any boy above the age of bar mitzvah should do the custom of maktas shekel. It's appropriate from the age of bar mitzvah and above. But everybody's in agreement that women are not obligated in this custom. And it's something that men do because of how this custom started when they come to shul. Now, what if you have a family where they've, they, they, they weren't aware that, you know, under age 13, you don't need to give the half shekel. And they've been doing it for a few years. So if there is a specific family custom to give for under age of bar mitzvah, so gesund the hate, keep doing along with that mitzvah. However... If uh, somebody's been giving for their child because they thought that it's for every, you know, it's for everybody and lamalo, you know, and uh, I'm sorry, not not why not, but I thought that's what I had to do, and now the person's first finding out that no, you know, the the mitzvah really starts at the age of bar mitzvah. There would be no obligation to continue for a boy who's six, uh, six or seven years old, unless you want to involve this child in chinuch, you know, in, in training them in this in this uh, mitzvah. Okay. Can I use Meiser money for this $1.50 here in America? So this is going to lead us, we'll get to later, Bezjam as well, when it comes to the mitzvah of giving charity on Purim. So a person should not use Meiser because we use Meiser, our tithing money, is, should be used for things that are not obligations in other ways, not obligations for a mitzvah. Same way we view our food. We're not going to use Meiser money to purchase an apple because that's something that's a necessity for me and an obligation on me to feed myself right, and to have food. And the same way, I'm not going to use miser money to pay for my esrog, which is my mitzvah. This is a mitzvah that we have. And a person should not use miser money for the machzis hashekel. Now, the custom in general is to do this prior to Purim, and we gave the reason for it, should be done before. But if a person didn't do it, then the custom really could continue all the way up until Rosh Chodesh Nisan, until the month of Nisan. Once you hit the month of Nisan, there's no longer any Indian, there's no, there, there's no uh, point of doing the mitzvah of Machzis HaShekel. Okay, here we go. Let's, Machzis HaShekel, let's move on to the, the Purim itself, and we'll, dis, we'll, we'll start out by discussing the mitzvah of Matanos Le'avyonim, the gifts to the poor, also connected to finances, connected to funds. So let's, uh, let's start from there. Here we go. Each person is obligated to give enough money for a poor person to have, uh, to have a matana, to have a gift. 
Now, what's considered a gift? How much money do I have to give for Matanas Lavyanim? Gifts to the poor on Purim. So there's a wide range. Ultimately, it has to be considered a gift, something that the person can actually use. The minimum amount is any financial thing. As long as it's considered a financial, I would say a penny is not enough. A dime, perhaps, is already considered money in America. Right? It's called a pruta, something that has a, fi- a value within a transaction. So that, that would be the minimum amount. Now, ideally, a person should give an amount that a poor person can make use of on Purim, to maybe to purchase for themselves a meal. So you talk about our supermarket. You could buy a bagel for $1.99 plus tax. You get a little, uh, a little, thing, of, uh, a little thing of cream cheese, well, another two, three bucks. Yeah, a couple cut of vegetables, $5 for sure. You got your mitzvah per, for poor, per poor person. You'll even have post and say a dollar's fine. But let's, say, let's take the number five. So the mitzvah of matanas of yainim, at minimum on Purim, let's call it, is $5 to two poor people. So $10 will take care of my mitzvah sayayim. Now, why is it important to understand this, this uh, minimum amount? Because... Like machzis hashekel, I'm not allowed to use miser money because it's an obligation. I have a pre-existing obligation to perform this mitzvah on Purim. But only for $5 per person. So there's another topic that we discussed earlier before Dafyaimi this evening of that on Purim, we should be very generous with our finances. Anybody who stretches out their hand to ask, we should give to. And the reason we, we discussed this uh, earlier tonight, but we'll give a quick review. It has a lot to do with Purim understanding, getting into Bulvavi, understanding that everything is strictly Hashem, everything is strictly the Rabbi Nishlaylam. And throughout the year, where I'm a treasurer over God's finances, if God gives us finances to use, so we're treasurers over that money. And as a treasurer, I'm responsible to make sure that money goes to the right place. So if somebody is collecting money, I'm going to ask them questions. I'm not going to scrutinize them and drive them crazy, but I'll make sure, you know, a couple questions, make sure they're a little legitimate because this is tzedakah money. I have to make sure that the tzedakah money goes to tzedakah. It's not being wasted. So during the year, there's an, there is a minimal responsibility to make sure it's going to the right place. On Purim, there's a, we're in a unique space where it says, Kol yad. anybody stretch out their hand, no questions on Purim. It's fascinating. You give everybody. Don't ask. Don't scrutinize. Don't ask them what their name is. Don't even know who you are. It doesn't matter. Because on Purim, I'm not even a treasurer. The day of Purim, by definition, is what the avod of Purim is. There's only Hashem. There's only Hashem. That, that's the avod of Purim. Ain't old movado. There's nothing else. I'm not, I don't even exist as a treasurer. I don't even exist. Hashem, you sent somebody my way with an outstretched arm. That, the money's going to that person. I'm going to give them a few dollars. I'm going to give them this. It's kol ha-poshet Anything that happens, because I realize it's just Hashem sending people around and, and I no longer have my uh, treasurer responsibility. So the minimum amount of $5 per ani, call it $10 for the day, cannot be used with my tzedakah money, my regular tithing. But anything after that, my initial... Use your miser money for, that's totally fine. So you're going to be generous and poor, you're going to be given out. That money could either be given from personal funds or it could be given from miser funds again because it's because I already fulfilled my matanas le'evyayin. Okay, so kola poshet yad, as we said, also when people reach out, we should, uh, anybody who reaches out, we should do our best to be generous 
particularly on Purim. Connect this back to us, by the way. Connect this back to us. We know that this message of anybody who stretches out their hand to give applies to Hashem on Purim as well. The same way when somebody comes to us on Purim, anybody who stretches out their hand, we give to them, so to on Purim, when we stretch out our hands to God in prayer, and we turn to Hashem, it's a very unique day for the power of tefillah, for the power of prayer. We're kola poshet yad, anybody who asks for something, there's a, we're, we're much closer because Enol Mavado, it's a day where our God is much more revealed. The word Megillah comes from Giloi, God's revelation. Megillah can mean a scroll, which is what it does. Right? Megillah's Esther. It also is Giloi Hester. It's the revelation of God's hiddenness. God is not hiding on Purim. And therefore, Kola Poshet Yad, when we stretch out our hand and we ask for something for Hashem, Nostum Lo. Hashem responds to our prayers on Purim. And we have to take advantage uh, of, uh, of Purim and not to get too caught up in the busyness of the day and recognize what the avoda of the day really is, and that is the oneness of Hashem, the revelation of Hashem, and take advantage of that opportunity. In the same way, we're going to be in a generous space when people reach out to us, take advantage of the opportunity that Hashem is in a generous space, quote-unquote, when, uh, when it comes to tefillos as well, and we have to daven for everything, both things that we need internally, our spirituality, and things that we need externally, because God's revealed within everything on Purim. Okay, let's keep going in this topic of Matanas Laviyayda. When it comes to Matanas Avionim, every Jew above the age of Bar Bas Mitzvah, male or female, everybody's obligated in uh, everybody's obligated in this mitzvah. There's no, there's no, uh, there's nobody who's who's not obligated. Um, if you have a married couple, so then the wife is able to rely on her husband's giving on her on her behalf, even without instructing him to be her shliach, to be her messenger. Okay, so a husband should give. On behalf of, you know, for him and his wife. So if somebody were to come to me and say, you know, I'd like you to, on Purim Day, hand out the Matanas of Yainim, please divide it amongst two people. And it's a married person, let's say a married fellow or a married woman who comes and she'll hand a $20 bill to be given for Matanas of Yainim, a $100 bill, whatever it is. What I'll respond with is, okay, I'll take this $20 and say, I'm going to divide it by four this way. Five do- you're giving $5 to two poor people uh, for you and $5 to two poor people for your spouse. And if they give $100, Matana Zavyanim, so we're going to divide that by four. It's $25 for each poor person and 25 And that's how it's divided. And everybody ultimately gets the mitzvah. Sometimes people have, they want to give on behalf of their children as well. Okay? And the reason why this is important to notice when it comes to the giving end, and the reason why I'm focusing on this, even though it's simple math, is because there's another halacha when it comes to the recipient. Remember, we said it has to go to two poor people. You have to give to two poor people. And we'll discuss what a poor, what's considered poor when it comes to poor. Interestingly, to give to a family is considered one person. So when it comes to, on the giving end, we'll say, here's $20. I want you to give 10 and 10. A person who actually gives out the tzedakah, whether it's you're doing it for yourself or you ask a fund or organization or a rabbi to do it for you, 
the, that fund should not take the full $20 and give it to a family of four and say four people are benefiting from this so it's already considered split up. In halacha, ideally, the way it should be done is it should be, if you, somebody gives you $20, take $10, give it to a family. $10, give it to a different family. Don't consider people who are living in the same household to be uh, multiple aniyim, to be multiple people. Right? The should be split up amongst uh, different, uh, different uh, families. Okay. Now, the mitzvah is matanos, which is what we've been describing. Gifts, plural, matanos, gifts. That's why two. Le'evyonim, to people who are evyonim, people who are poor. Okay, people who are destitute. That's what it literally, uh, that's what it literally means over here. The halacha on Purim, however, is it doesn't, a person doesn't literally need to be destitute or poor like in an incredible way where it's like, wow, like this person is a, is a tremendous need. What it means is a person who's in a pinch and can use financial help. That's all it is. That's all it is. Funds on Purim, the same way we're more generous on Purim in, with the funds and, and giving to people, also the level of, of uh, need we're also more liberal with. It doesn't necessarily need to go to somebody who can't pay their mortgage, somebody who can't pay. Uh, the, it, it, it could be anybody who's, you know, could use a little, it'll be helpful to, to have a little extra money now uh, to, to cover their yumtif expenses, to the Purim expenses, and you know, and it's it's not like they're sitting on a boatload of cash that's that's in the bank. So obviously, like with any tzedakah, you want to give to the most pressing need, and that's that's appropriate to do so. But a person will receive their mitzvah even if you give to somebody who's not an evyon. So let's say you're giving tzedakah by yourself on Purim. You want to directly you have you have a person in mind that you want to give to, and that person is not you're not going to categorize them as destitute. Yeah, they 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 have they have food for for meals. They're not starving. They have they have what they need, but you know they're struggling. There's expenses that come up, and a person's struggling. So that situation as well, you could use your matanos evenim to give to that person to a situation like that. Okay. On Purim, because kola poshet yad, anybody stretch out their hand, their hand, we give to them. It's better to give. Less to a lot of people than a lot to fewer people because we want to be able to be in a place of generosity where we're constantly actively giving. So if a person knows I'm able to give a thousand dollars this perm, I'm able to give fifty dollars this perm, I'm able to give forty dollars this perm, I'm able to give twenty whatever it is twenty thousand. However, whatever situation a person's in, better to not write out a bunch of big checks and use it up for less people. Better to give lesser, and for some people they have a hard time with this because they want their money to have an impact. They want that they, you know to give a lot, and therefore it's not just a little bit to everybody. But on Purim specifically, it should be a little bit different than we do the rest of the year, and it's better to give um, less to a lot more people who could use it than more to to people who are who are uh, than uh, than than giving more to less people. Okay. Couple more halachas in this category of, of halachas of matanas lavyanim. So we shouldn't give out matanas lavyanim prior to Purim. Matanas lavyanim is an Indian of Purim itself. So to give somebody money today, today's Thursday night, 
Okay, we have three, four days until Purim. So ideally, the money should be given out on Purim, unless, you know, let's say you know somebody who could use the help, use the money. So you could walk over to them tonight, Friday or Shabbos, after, and you can say, listen, here's some money, and either you say it or you, or you don't, but you make sure that the person still has that money on Purim itself. Because otherwise they might use it up prior to Purim and you're not going to get your mitzvah. Okay? So if you give the money to somebody before Purim and it's still in the hand of the person on Purim itself, you have fulfilled your mitzvah. You have fulfilled your mitzvah. As long as you know they have it on, on Purim. Therefore, one of the ways to go about it is if let's say you're not directly giving it to a person in need, but you're giving it to a fund. There's no problem giving the money prior to Purim to that fund. You can give it months beforehand. You can give it weeks beforehand, days beforehand, because the fund itself, or the person who's going to represent you and give it out, is going to be giving it on the day of. The main thing is to the giving of sons is that the, the person or the people will have it on the day of Purim. So you can give the money to a fund, to an organization that's going to give out on Purim, as long as you know the money is being given out on Purim itself. Okay, so that's an overview of the most common questions and, and approaches that, and shyness that people have with Matana Savyanim. If anybody uh, has any questions about that, either you could send it to the chat or uh, reach out when we're done. Here we go. Let's move on to the next category of Allahis, which is Mishleach Monais. Sending Monais. I didn't realize. I, I'm trying to move along over here. All right. Sending, uh, sending a food to our friends. So there's an obligation to send two foods to one person. So when it comes to money, we give money to two people. When it comes to food, you give two foods to one person. Now these two foods need to be two different foods. You can't give two bottles of Coke. Two bottles of Coke ain't gonna cut it. It's gotta be two different, uh, two different foods. It doesn't need to be two different blessings. Some people... Uh, the, re- the way that started is that if it's two blessings, you know for a fact it's considered two different foods. Maybe that's how that whole uh, misunderstanding started. But you can have a bottle of Coke and a piece of meat. They're both the, both the blessing of Shahako. They are clearly, uh, clearly different foods. Okay. Now, any food that goes along with bread is not considered a separate food. So, if let's say I give bread and butter. That's not considered two species. That's not considered two foods. Butter goes with bread. Bread and butter is, not, is going to be one. But bread and hummus, since hummus is not necessarily with bread, that could be considered two species. Okay? If you have uh, uh, fish and something, uh, you know, uh, along with something else. If you have a fish and a dip, something like that, that's not considered two species. But something else would be considered two, would be considered two species. Now, it also has to be considered a full portion of something. What's considered a portion? A portion is a size that you would respectfully give to somebody else who comes to your house. That's how large it has to be. If somebody were to come to your house, what would you offer them? Don't give a, a quarter of a sandwich. You're not going to offer them quarter sandwich. It has to be a respectable type of food. And also keep in mind, well, I was going to wait till I get it, but keep in mind that the purpose of Mishloach Manos is to build friendships amongst people. So there's a lot of fascinating halachas when it comes to this. If I'm a person of a stature that it's expected of me to give a respectable uh, monet to somebody else and I don't, I have not fulfilled my mitzvah because I'm not building reyes. I'm not building friendship. So let's say somebody, let, let's say, in, in, let's, I'll take myself. 
Okay? You're, you're, we have a few people on Zoom. We've got people here in the room here. So if, if you were to come to my house, or I come to your house, and my, my, my Mishloach Manas to you is a pack of gum, a pack of gum and an apple. You'd be like, kind of strange that the rabbi's given that to me. Okay? Or you have somebody, somebody else, if it was my kid, very normal. So that's fine. But for somebody who either holds a position, holds a certain financial status in a community, the purpose is to show somebody you care about them. If you don't give them a proper, respectable uh, uh, portion of food, you don't care about me. You don't care about me. Give me a little stick of gum and uh, something else. A, it has to be something which makes sense in a way that it's going to be marbereus. It's going to enhance, uh, enhance race. Now, it doesn't need to be expensive. But it's got to be marbereus. Water and seltzer, according to Rabbi Yashiv, water for sure is not counted as a type of food. And Rabbi Yashiv writes that even seltzer is not considered a type of food. Soda water is also not considered a type of food, but more chashuva drinks, you know, like a bottle of Coke, things of that sort would be considered, would be considered a food. Now, since the purpose is to be marbereus, to enhance friendship, what happens if you go to somebody's house, you knock on their door, you want to give them portions of food and they're not home? So you leave it at their door. So listen to this. If you leave your name on it, okay, when they come home before Purim's over, so you gave it to them on Purim, that's great. Let's say you, don't, you didn't write. So the person's going to come home, and they don't, it's anonymous. You don't get a mitzvah. Because the purpose of Mashiach Manus is to enhance friendship. Not just to give food, it's to enhance friendship. I don't know who gave this to me. Also keep in mind that if you're going to be dropping it off, make sure that people are going to get home before Purim's over. Because let's say, even if you write your name, they get home after Purim. You didn't get your mitzvah. However, also remember that you only need to do this for one person to get your mitzvah. Okay? So if you're giving out to a bunch of people and you come to one person's house, so then it's fine. You can leave it at the door. You got your mitzvah. We're dealing with a scenario where you're, you're my one person who I'm relying upon for the mitzvah. When you're relying on that specific Mishloach Monos for the mitzvah, you got to make sure you're not anonymous and that it's actually going to received, it's going to be received on Purim. Okay. Now what happens if I can't afford to give Mishloach Monos? Can't afford it. I don't have extra money. I, I, I could buy enough food for myself, not somebody else. So it's brought down in, in Halacha. You should find somebody else in your situation or at least close to your situation and swap food. Each of you... That's what we used to do in yeshiva when we were, you know, in, in high school. So we're living off our parents and we didn't, have, uh, we didn't have much. So what our rabbeim told us we could do is go to the canteen, buy a bag of dipsy doodles, yeah, these, these corn chips, and a bottle of soda. Buy these dipsy doodles and soda. You spend $1.75. You do it, your friend does it. And then you give dipsy doodles and soda to your friend and your friend gives it dipsy doodles and soda to you and everybody got their mitzvah. Shalom al Yisrael. If that's the way it is, so that's, uh, that's fine. Okay, there's an Indian as well to do it through, uh, to, to send through a, uh, through a messenger, um, but that's a lechatchila, ideally, but if it's not sent through a messenger, it seems that the post can say, because it says mishloach, to send the manos, to send it, it seems with somebody else, but if you do it by yourself, it's going to be, uh, you, one has fulfilled their mitzvah. Okay. There's more to this, but let's keep going. I want to talk about the Se'uda. I want to touch on the, the Purim Se'uda. We, we, we should have made this a whole series. Should have made this a whole series. One night of this, I, I don't know. 
But here we go. Let's get into the halachas of the Su'uda. So listen to this, Chavra. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. La Yehudim to the Jews. Haisa Ora, there was light, v'simcha and gladness, v'sason and rejoicing. La Yehudim to the Jews. Haisa Ora, there was light. What is Ora? What do the sages teach us? Ora zu Torah. Light is Torah. Light is Torah. Connected to our Parsha, Parsha Tetzaveh. Coming up, light the menorah. There's two things that we, like we spoke out in the women's lunch and learn earlier today. Ora, the R, light, represents both the nefesh, the spirit, and Torah. There are those who have a custom, and there's a beautiful thing. If you could do this, this Purim. La Yehudim Haisa Ora, first have Torah learning, and then Simcha Vesasun. There's a minug, there's a custom people have before the Suda where things could get wild and people start drinking. The mitzvah to drink, by the way, only applies during the meal. The mitzvah of Chayiv Enish Lubesume is not at night. It's not earlier on in the day. It's, the mitzvah of drinking is during the Su'uda. So there are those of course, and then Simcha Vesasen. If you have a little bit of Torah learning, a little bit, a few minutes before the Su'uda, your Su'uda is going to be a different Su'uda. The meal is going to be uh, a different meal. Okay. Also, what is the Simcha? So it's brought down in the Sfarim that on Purim, we accepted the Torah, me'ahava. we accepted the Torah out of love to a point where it's considered a completion of Simcha's Torah. The Simcha that we have at the Su'uda is a, it's Simcha's Torah. Simcha's Torah. We accepted, Purim was there, we accepted the Torah out of love. We originally accepted the Torah at our Sinai. We were, it was kind of forced upon us. Hashem held the mountain over our heads. And showed us the importance of accepting the Torah. But on Purim we accepted it completely. Complete, mamish completely. And therefore the Simcha on Purim. Specifically at the Suda, Should be a joy of Simcha's Torah. The focus is Torah. That's the focus of, of the Purim uh, Suda. Now at the Purim Suda, The ideal. Many people start the Suda's very late in the day. It's very interesting. It's kind of a new thing. It's a new thing that the Suda starts very late. It should start after Mincha, but one must make sure that the Suda, at least the main course, is served before sunset. The main course, at least, should be served before Shkia. Because rive of the Suda, majority of the meal, should really already be taken care of. Now, what does majority mean? Does it mean majority of time? Not specifically. Majority means the main part. That's right. That's what means majority. So the main part of the Suda should ideally be served prior to, uh, pr- prior to Shkia. Now, ideally, a person should wash uh, on bread at the meal. And um, there should be also chicken and meat. Not necessarily both. Rav Moshe Feinstein has a tshuva. He says chicken, you know, even though it's brought down in general, meat and wine establishes a meal. But if you have chicken nowadays, we consider that to be meat. That'll, uh, that will uh, suffice That'll suffice as well. And, and uh, we have the Suda. Now at the Suda, there's, uh, it's brought down the Shulchan Aruch. Chayov inish lebesume beporia. There's an obligation to drink on Purim. Adilo yada bein arahaman lebarach Mordechai. Until you don't know the difference between arahaman and barach Mordechai. There are hundreds of interpretations, of explanations on exactly what this means. None of those interpretations agree that you're permitted to get stone drunk. It's actually fascinating where it's, it's this, to me, and again, I didn't hear this from my rabbi, 
One of the reasons that Purim's been hijacked by drinking is because it's so holy. You find the more Kedusha something has, the more the Satan puts something in the way. The higher the Kedusha is, the more the Satan puts something in the way to force us to not take advantage of it. And for some reason, it's, Purim's become, as opposed to a day of oneness of Hashem, like we started out this evening, a day where we come to recognize through the way we give, through giving food to others, where we're taking actual food that we, it's something physical through us the whole year, and there's a commandment of a mitzvah, both at the meal and to give to others, where we take the chitzainius, this physical thing, and we use it in a way where it's, I'm doing this because Hashem told me to do it also, just oneness of Hashem, where Hashem's the only uh, entity in existence. There's so much holiness that it, 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 there's going to be things that confuse us. There's hundreds of reasons given for Chayi Vinishtim Sufi, but to not know the difference in Arham and Baruch Mordechai, but again, there's, they're beautiful and they're incredible, and, it doesn't, and, and most of them agree that it doesn't change the, the mitzvah to drink alcohol. Doesn't change that. It doesn't change that at all. But the extent that it's uh, that it's drunk, nobody's going to say that there's a mitzvah to get uh, to get stone drunk on Purim. And there's many other ways to fulfill it according to these other pshatim, either by taking a nap or or through understanding. There's some way uh, some poskim understand it through knowing the difference in gematrias between Haman and Baruch Mordechai, which there's not much of a difference between them. But the achronim all write that. That uh, drinking on Purim, if it's going to lead to any issue with your mitzvah. So for example, if I'm not going to be able to bench properly. I'm not going to be able to daven mariv properly. It's going to, so asr le'ishtaker. It's going to be forbidden to, it's going to be forbidden to, uh, to get drunk. When you learn through the, the sfarim on, on drinking, they, they explain, and we'll hold it here with this. The sfarim explain that the uh, the main purpose the main idea is is um to remove boundaries in a way where my only concern is the rebbeinu that's the focus of drinking where you're getting back to the oneness the oneness of hashem i'm not limited by the by the way I'm viewed, I'm not limited by society. It's just me and the Rabbi Shem. And a person should get themselves to a little bit of a place where they're uninhibited in that fashion. And that's the way we fulfill the mitzvah of drinking on Purim.